Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Hey, Brad. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Addison? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it's been a, a good week. We, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation last week and I'm excited to continue it. Okay, I know that yeah. it's been on Facebook and, and all these locations. I've, I've gone ahead and said that we will be continuing it and I think it's even titled part one. So hopefully it's no surprise that this will be a continuation of last week. Oh, I'm surprised. But, uh, <laughs> I know you are. You're always surprised, Brad. <laughs> it could be the, uh, the facelift you got, but you do always look surprised. Okay. Yeah. But uh, before we get too deep into that, how, uh, how was your week? Did you do anything? Uh, well, you know, ended up uh, working on the exterior a little bit more. So I got the heads off, started looking in there. Uh, now I need to just take them in. And uh, I think I'm just going to have another guy work through them, check them out, somebody that can pressure test them while they resurface the head and everything else. Uh, but I thought I'd uh, seen some uh, impacts on the top of the piston from the valve when I had it all together, so got everything apart, looked in there again, and didn't see any of that, so I don't know what I was seeing through the camera, but I really couldn't see a whole lot, so I think my mind was playing a little bit of tricks. The only thing that I can say is that I had low compression, and I know that I double-checked it, removed the compression gauge and tube, and reinstalled it multiple times just to confirm that I had that problem, so I know that something's going on, and uh, at a minimum, at least, I'll be going through and doing... uh, uh, valve stem seals and it needed new valve cover gaskets. Obviously, you don't have to tear the whole engine out, in essence, to be able to do that. But there are other things that should be done while I have it apart anyway. So it'll be good. It'll be good to refreshen it, get it going so we can get a lot of, a lot of good life out of it again. I think, yeah, I think you verified that there's really nothing terribly wrong. Right. But, you know, the, the only thing I'd say you're missing in what you're doing would be the rings. Yeah. If there's a ring issue, that's the only thing you're missing. Otherwise, everything else is going to be better than it was, right? Before, you know, three weeks before the chain broke or the belt broke, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be better than it was then. So, yeah, I guess I I'm just you're... surprised if it was just rings to have that low of compression in one cylinder. I mean, I it's possible. I, I would assume that I would see a gouge or, or I would some agree. severe marks on the cylinder walls. But have everything you moved really the cylinders since you've had it apart? I Usually haven't. you don't want to just because it makes reassembly that much more difficult. It shouldn't be that big of a deal if I okay. did because everything's apart. I guess that's fair. I don't have, you know, a timing chain and gear. And yeah, I overhead just, cam and you're just going to reset the Yeah, so I just have to reset the, the cylinders where they should be and it would be fine, right? Yeah, that's fair. But it would be interesting to see, you know, those that may be at, at uh, you know, top dead center. Mm-hmm. If you moved them down, I, I assume, I guess that's a better question. The, those that had low compression, can you see most of the cylinder walls? Actually, I can on those okay. ones. Those are the ones yeah. that So are I agree. If you're not seeing any scoring, yeah. I think you're right. That you'll end up with a better off. Maybe it was a, an, you know, this was a blessing in disguise that you, uh, you would have ended up with low compression issues anyway, yeah. you know, two months down the road. Or I've had a problem with a valve for a long time. Yeah. Maybe a valve seat's had a lot of corrosion on it. Something's going on. And I've had low compression. I didn't even That's know when I, mean. I was driving it around, right? So you might find this thing runs twice as good now. Oh, that, that would be it. awesome. I would be super stoked if that's the case. What, two of the six? So one-third is good. Yeah, one there's only better. one that was really low. The other one wasn't too okay. bad. But uh, looking forward to kind of going through the process of finding a good machine shop, building a rapport with them, or them with me, I should say. So that way I can start taking other things, whether it be motorcycle parts. I've got a 74 Ford with some headset in the garage. Nothing fancy, but wouldn't mind having those rebuilt. Sure. Um, I know that they haven't been over-machined, haven't been played with. They were the original ones off of the block when I got it. So, uh, And I'm sure other things will come up. So I think that's pretty valuable to know a good uh, head shop when you need one. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, the only other thing cool. was, when I showed you pictures of it, and I know that nobody else is going to be able to see this while we're talking, but those weird um, areas on the head where, or on the pistons that I don't know if it was a detonation issue. Do you, do you recall mm-hmm. what I'm talking I'm about? Sure Almost looked like either a delamination of carbon in the same exact spot on every single piston, or maybe it was, I don't know if they were an anodized head. 
It's hard to say. I understand. Yeah, but it was odd. The fact me. that it was consistent and you didn't have consistent compression results tells me it's very unlikely to be the root cause or effect of the issue. Oh, I agree. It was just something surprising to me. I think. Sure. I don't know. There's something going on, but it could be just normal. It have could you be. looked at that? Have yeah. you looked looked into anyone else that maybe has the top end off and looking at the piston crowns? I haven't uh, seen that the peanut gallery has either said or posted on it. So might, uh, that's a good point. You might find that's a common picture on that six on that V6. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to look at because yeah, the fact that it was consistent tells me it's probably not a problem. Yeah, I was just surprised. I, it was just something that stood out. And... Yeah. Anyway, but uh, at least I've got it all apart. Got the engine I've pulled up. everything off and looked at the the piston crown. There's always been weird, you know, burn site. You know, it's always less symmetric than you'd hope right yeah and i don't know if it has anything to do with this but my uh spark plugs were pretty worn they were okay. they were just beyond when they should have been replaced by i don't know ten thousand miles so, i mean that's enough and if you had that, valve seat issues at all that would wear them quicker so yeah yeah that's so fair. anyway just something interesting yeah i think you'll you'll end up with a better truck than you started with at the oh, end of this i'm excited but uh cool yeah what about you that's about me didn't do too much uh nursed my uh my thumb from what a week and change ago's dirt bike session, but uh, ended up bending some steel, getting uh, getting the beginning fabrication of my rear subframe for the uh, the Gladiator build. Okay. So I uh, okay. got some tube bending going. Really took my time on it. So I mean, it's very symmetric. I was for just hand bending everything. Right. I wasn't using any. Any hydraulic benders, everything was literally just hand bent. No CNC bending. No CNC, yeah. no, I mean, no machine help other than gear ratios, right? Sure. Gear down on the crank, but otherwise it's basically all hand bent by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a lot of measurements, you know, check, check twice, bend once kind of a game and, oh. and ended up with, with something I'm pretty proud of. Uh, there's, you know, both ends of the start and finish I left long so I could cut to the right sure. location on the frame and, and sleeve them and get it you know, as close to the frame cut profile as possible. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the weld will be as clean as it can be. But, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's going to work out. Uh, just put on my uh, shopping cart through McMaster, the right ID or the right OD to fit in the ID of this tube. Because I can't seem to find anything locally. Wow. So I'm just going to have to front the crazy shipping bill to get it shipped from uh, one of these big box online parts places you know from mcmaster is real generally i'll go for parts i'm kind of looking at what i want to do for mounting accessories i want to add that rack and there's parts of the image that you've seen yeah we'll need mounting mechanisms so i'm looking at how i can purchase some higher end hardware to make Mm -hmm. that a visually appealing addition that could be mounted and dismounted that doesn't detract from the style of the bike Okay. So right now I'm That's looking at, at at that. You and I talked a little bit about, you know, I'd like to get some CNC water jet or plasma cut parts so that they're very consistent and yeah. clean cut. Uh, I can do custom parts. It's not a problem, but the amount of time that takes compared to just if I have 15 brackets I need, mm-hmm. the cost to have those cut either by someone independently or to kind of invest in getting that tooling for myself mm-hmm. or for us to both to use. Yeah, yeah maybe worth it so we'll see on some of these brackets i i feel like the uh, the clean cut factor of that cnc technology is is worth its weight in gold on what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. um, but i'll get the tube done and, and keep making progress where i'm at first before i really drop a ton of cash make yeah. sure the engine's running and get this get this mounted so i can get the engine back in the frame mm-hmm. and go from there and then i'll add my tabs and and accessories but uh you know it's fun i love you know working with metal Bending, welding, cutting, just the, the smell of burnt metal at the end of all that is, is fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was nice to kind of take, it wasn't that long, you know, a couple hours of time on Saturday to to kind of fab that up. And, you know, in the end, what was just a big straight piece of tube now looks like the back of a motorcycle. Yeah, and as I'm sure, um, you know, we talked about this before, but I'm sure that there's going to be an iterative process in this design, kind of just kind of ironing out the concepts that are firing off in your mind so i'm i'm excited to see how this turns out it's going to be awesome yeah so far it's uh it's been fun i, I expect it to continue to be fun yeah good. if not i'll i'll have to uh you know blame brad for everything yes please do yep nonetheless 
let's get into it, because I know all of our listeners only wanted to listen for the continuation of last week's uh, conversation. But last week, just as a, anyone coming in today, we talked a lot about the feeling of road tripping. And we got into it in a way that was both vehicular, whether that's four or two wheels, mm-hmm. that you could, you know, get in the car, hit a certain time of day, a certain point in your drive, a certain amount of time in the car, whatever your trigger is. Oh, this is interesting. I, I know. It's like you've never talked about this. Um, and then get that feeling, that, that euphoria that we kind of talked yes. about of, of feeling like I'm on a road trip, I'm on the open road, I have the freedom of the world, all I need is gas, and I can go anywhere. Plenty of beans and you're, you're covered. Yep, plenty of beans and, and we'll keep going. But uh, what I wanted to get into this week was, does the tool for that road trip matter? And I, I think of this kind of... More so on the motorcycle world, because in a car, I don't think it matters. You're going to set Ooh. the cruise control. Ooh, I don't know about that, man. The road trip feeling. Can you have more fun around the corners or whatever else on a car that's more high performance? Yes. But when we're talking just hitting the open road and the freedom of the road, on a car, you're generally going to go on the freeway. You're generally making time, and you're going to set cruise control, more or less, if you have it on your car, and you're just going to go. I can't say that that's true, man. I, I think it depends on the kind of road trip you're going to do. If you're trying to get to a destination as soon as possible, because the destination is where you're going to spend the majority of, let's say, your vacation. That's one thing. If the trip itself is, let's say, the majority of the vacation and you're having some stops along the way, how, how does that differ? Because you're not going to always be on a highway or freeway. You'll probably be on a highway, sorry, but you're not going to always be on a freeway. In a car, does the feeling change for you? I think it does. For me, it doesn't. Doesn't matter what you're in. If I'm going back roads, take my time, stop all over, see everything, or if I'm just going to hit the highway for 16 hours in one day. You're you're a Ford, and all of a sudden you got dropped off in in some sort of... Chrysler LeBaron or Chevy Cobalt, maybe that's not even ridiculous. But what does it do? Any of those make a difference to you? You're in a Lincoln Town Car now, the versus something a little bit excite more exciting, like let's say uh, Taurus SHO. How does that affect your road trip? Does it cars that aren't overly different from one another? For the record, I expected a like. You know, you're in a. Well, then you come up with your own. I'm just throwing you're in off a Viper some... GT, or you're in yeah, a. See, some of those are too far fetched that I can't even imagine neon. a road trip in a Dodge Viper. I can't even imagine it sure. because I don't That's have fair. one. Nor but would I want to talk trip about a car that you could be in. Okay, let's say it's a minivan. Okay. A minivan. Sure. Versus a Taurus SHO. Just something yeah. more common. I think. Does it matter to you? The fun that you have in between that I think is independent of the road trip feeling mm-hmm. would be different. But the feeling of I'm on a road trip and the freedom of the road is in front of me does not change based on that vehicle. Yeah. Are there spurts of fun that are very different? The road gets twisty. You're going up Cabbage Hill off 84 and you can now hit it and have, you know, a minute and a half of just giggling fun. Yes. But does that whole day's feeling of I am putting miles behind me and the road, you know, I am free I, to go. I think that there's a certain level no. of comfort that's needed for a road trip. If you're completely uncomfortable or you're concerned about the the structural integrity or the mechanical integrity of the vehicle that you're driving. That's fair. That can change your mindset sure. as well. Sure, sure, sure. And but so I not? went more in the realm of what you're driving and becom- being comfortable driving that vehicle to actually being comfortable or stressed out because you don't know if the vehicle's going to make it. But both vehicles you picked can be equally reliable. You didn't pick a, you know, Ford Pinto versus a brand new Ford Taurus. I think that we can keep on throwing out different, uh, different scenarios. So if but you're stressed I think about... it does make a little bit of a difference on that road trip feeling for me. If you're stressed about a breakdown, I agree with you. Yeah. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing... The pure driving adrenaline. What, what roads are we taking? We are we going to sit on the freeway? Because I guarantee you I ain't going to go on a KLR 250 on the freeway. Why not? Because that is not my idea of fun. 
of being that much slower than the rest of the traffic around me. So let's say we are going... Not being able to actually load the vehicle up, the motorcycle up, with enough gear for me without just blatant disregard for my own hygiene and clothing. (laughs) Now, my argument to that would be who cares where you're going. It's a road trip. Especially by bike. I find... Yeah, I, don't, I see what you're saying. I find on a motorcycle trip, it's never about the destination. On a motorcycle trip, that's fair. Now, I have used my motorcycle to get to the destination, and it still feels... I don't think that was English, but to get to the destination, and it still feels uh, like a road trip. But, usually on a trip that I plan as a motorcycle trip, quote-unquote, it's... The trip that matters. So you're taking slower roads. Even if you're on an FJR 1300, or even if you're on the Rocket 3 to go back a few episodes, or whatever you're on, no matter how freeway awesome it is, Mm -hmm. generally on a motorcycle trip, I'm going to take the back roads. I know, but you didn't even bring a cruiser into it or anything else? We'll call a Rocket 3 a cruiser. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I understand where you're going with that, but... Uh, and I think most people are going to stay off the freeway, but if I was to spend a lot of time on a freeway, for whatever reason, because of the region I'm in, let's say, and I maybe the destination isn't a place, a specific place, but an area that allows me to do a lot of adventuring, the road trip to me would be getting there. That's what I think of as a road trip. Getting to something. And maybe that destination sure. is back home. Okay. Right. If I end up having to take a freeway at all, or for a majority of that, there's a certain kind of bike that I'm going to want. I'm going to want to be super comfortable. I'm going to be laid back. I want to have be able to break the wind. So now I'm thinking maybe... Back to the beans again. Yeah. Be able to break the wind. No passengers behind me. I don't know. But uh, if I'm on some road and I'm going down it, I want to make sure that uh, I'm comfortable. Now, is that the kind of riding that I enjoy doing? No. Is that the one that's going to provoke or invoke a feeling of um, euphoria of being on a road trip? Yeah, I don't know. But I'd rather be on a back road, to your point. I'm just saying that I think that there's a difference and a different kind of tool for those kind of road trips. Do you get a different feeling? You've been on different bikes, borrowed bikes or whatever else. Let's say a, a trip you've done many times. Eastern Oregon to Portland area. Mm-hmm. Do you get a different feeling based on that speed of the road trip itself? I'm not saying do you have more fun on a faster bike or is it more enjoyable or are the corners that much more adrenaline pumping? I'm saying that road trip euphoria of I'm on the open road and I have the freedom to just go. Mm-hmm. Does it matter how fast your bike can go? No, and I think that the faster your bike can go or the faster you're traveling, the less it feels like a road trip to me. Interesting. Because every time that I've been on a bike that was pretty quick or that I was going to spend a bunch of time in a twisty road area, my focus is on that. And it's not so much this... Uh, bliss of freedom and total relaxation and taking everything in. I'm not really worried. When I'm in the twisties, I'm not really paying attention to the sights around me if it's a really twisty area. If there's slow, swooping corners or something like that, then maybe that would change that a little bit. But in the majority of the areas that I really enjoyed to ride, I don't find myself uh, being able to take my eyes off of what's important my life and you know entering the corner and entering speed when i need to break when i need to accelerate and everything else to get through the corner um i can't that's that's the focus for me so i think that it does matter how fast you're going and the the bike that you're on in those areas so if I wanted to go on a road trip on a motorcycle, what I can imagine is a road trip in a motorcycle, it would probably be something that it's a little bit more laid back and I don't have the destination, the timing isn't as important, and I can just enjoy the ride. Those are the ones that are important to me where I can just go and I'm not worried about it. Okay. What about for you? I mean, I, so historically, 
and even on the trip. So I, I think of a few things in this situation that have come up as you've talked. Um, I mean, if we talk, what, three years ago, the Slacker Moto ride was a trip down to southern Utah, okay. northern Arizona, to catch all those national parks. And the first two days, we're basically putting 600-plus miles a day behind us to get to yep. Moab. And then the second two days, we're from basically St. George, Utah, back up to Portland area. And, uh, you know, those days were just long days. And due to unforeseen issues, I didn't make the return home the same as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Ended up kind of going down to Vegas and then shooting up from there in a separate trip. However... The trip down there, the road trip feeling of having that freedom, because that's what I'm trying to focus on here is the road trip feeling, not the enjoyment of riding, because motorcycles have lots of spectrums of fun, right? Oh, yeah. The the corners are different. The feeling that you're, you know, more or less on an airplane, that carving feeling you'll just never get on a car, you know, those things are, are part of what makes them fun. But that feeling of hitting the open road and just being a part of the environment around you and feeling the temperature change every single degree, right? Going up the hills through Baker City when it's an 85-degree day and suddenly it drops to 50 Mm because you've hit enough elevation that you can feel that change just sitting on the back of the bike. Um, You know, those feelings, I don't think it matters whether you're going, you know, 10 over or 10 under. I think you're still enjoying that environment around you, at least for me. Mm -hmm. I am still enjoying that environment around me and that road trip, that, that motorcycle trip feeling. And throughout that trip, it was an 11 day adventure that, that really, it hit all aspects, right? There were days that it was just 84 all the way across Oregon and Idaho to get to Northern Utah. And we basically day one was just mind numbing straight freeway for 600 and plus miles. Okay. So what days felt like you were on a road trip? All of them. All and of that's, them. That's, I guess what I'm coming at is, was each day different and fun in its own way? I mean, our day in Moab, we basically did nothing but tour Moab and Canyonlands. And I think our destination was like 30-something miles further south. Yeah. Put 100 and change miles on the bikes just touring and looking and grabbing lunch and seeing the sights and being tourists. Okay. But otherwise, that was a very, very short day where we just saw the sights and took in mm-hmm. what there was to take in. Because the other places, right, a lot of those other national parks... Just driving through is seeing most of it. Sure. So we'd stop and sightsee, but Moab, you've got to just drive into Arches, and it's all the way in, all the way back. There's no loop. There's no through way. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, a stop in and of itself. And so, you know, that had its own sightseeing, stopping, taking lots of pictures, hiking a little bit, Mm -hmm. had its own enjoyment of being on a road trip with buddies, just seeing what we could see. You know, and then other days were just us driving 300 miles through beautiful scenes, not necessarily twisty, not necessarily fast, just looking around. And then other days were 150 miles of very twisty, up over the hills, down the hills, mm-hmm. you know, hard riding that was fun and adrenaline pumping and, and therapeutic in its own way. But in the end, each of those days felt like I was on an adventure that wouldn't ever be the same again, right? Okay. I could do the same trip next year and it wouldn't be the same trip right what i saw smelled felt the the live feeling of being on the back of a bike and part of the environment is not the same drive whereas i think if i do a trip on a bike and then i do it in the car it feels like the same trip twice oh because i'm not seeing anything or feeling or doing anything that new it's the same place the little screen right the window that that I'm seeing through. The only thing that's different is I'll have flashbacks of the first time, right? Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's the same trip. The car doesn't really add anything new each subsequent time on that same trail. Sometimes if the seasons have changed and the environment's a little bit different. Uh, but you, are you able in a vehicle, in a car, to see more of your surroundings than you would be in on a motorcycle? Now, I understand that there's A pillars, B pillars, you know, that all of that comes into play. I'm not talking about your visibility out of the car, but actually what you're able to see and kind of absorb, that that is different in a car than it is on a motorcycle. And it depends. I think that's what I'm getting at. So I appreciate where you're going with this, because now I have a bike that can't go fast. Okay. It maxes. So the the Scrambler, I could run it 100 Mm -hmm. if I wanted to through Idaho. Right. And just go. And just peg it out and keep running it would go to 115 but that felt too much 
but you could just run it in high 90s all day. I mean, it's 85 mile per hour speed limit through there. So you could run it 10 over all day and you're not the slow guy on the road and you're rarely not the fastest guy on the road. Yeah. But you're just making time through there and you're going and you hit corners and that thing would rocket through. It had, you know, 25% more horsepower than the bike I'm riding. Okay, sure. And was better suited for that kind of riding with regards to ergonomics and the feel of the bike. Now, the bike I've got now tops out at a good 70, mm-hmm. which, if I were to go through Idaho, would feel slow. But the difference is, I think, that now that I've got this bike and I'm getting used to it, when I first got it, it felt like a lumbering dog. And I, mm-hmm. I made that comment to you, and I probably did on the podcast, that that bike felt so slow and obnoxiously slow, and I wasn't happy with it. Okay. But the more I've ridden it and gotten used to how to ride it through the corners a little bit better and just gotten used to the fact that if I'm on the freeway and I can only go 70, that I'm just going to go 70. Yeah. And I don't care that there's 50 cars passing me at any moment because it's just not a fast bike. And I'm not the sport bike going down the freeway. I'm now the guy on a slow tour. Right? And I've accepted that fact. My ride home has me going right in the middle of the speed limit. That I basically am passing trucks and getting passed by everybody else. Mm-hmm. On 14. At 70. Sure. I'm not by any means the fastest guy. And I'm not quite the slowest guy. But I'm on that low end. And it's interesting to me that the difference. And it took a while for me to understand that feel. And just enjoy it in the same way that I always had. And just accept the fact that I'm not going to be ripping by people on a motorcycle. And it doesn't help that I started with a faster bike and ended up with a slower bike. And if you go the opposite progression, it's easier to grow into. But I've thought about, for example, here this next month, I want to do a trip up through the Olympic Peninsula. And I realize there's parts in there that my bike can barely touch the speed limit. And that's okay. Because it'll be similar to what you're saying. Will I see more? Probably. Because some of those faster corners I'm not going to be hitting at Mm. 30% above the speed limit so I can enjoy that feeling of carving in hard. I'm just going to be going what I can go. And more or less upright through those corners, because that's all you have to do when you're going the speed limit. Right. And I can understand that. Situational awareness is very important, regardless of whether you have a slower bike that maybe has its own features or comfort to it versus a higher speed bike that can carve a little bit harder and such. I just, uh, I think that the experience is definitely different. And I think it's uh, dependent upon what kind of ride you want to be on, what you're going to qualify as a road trip. If you're being pushed the whole time, the whole time, let's say you're with a group, and I know our group isn't like this, but a group that wants to just haul ass the whole time, is it, is, and you, let's say that's kind of fun, but it gets boring after five days of not really being able to take in your environment. Would that still be a road trip? Your, your, um, maybe not comfort, but your enjoyment of that trip now is become work just to get through it. I think that there's a balance to be played with there. That's fair. And so your bike, even though it's a little bit slower, okay, you may not be able to hit those corners as hard as you might be able to on another bike or your scrambler, let's say. But you can still appreciate what's going on. There's still things that you can do. You're not uh, mentally exhausted, potentially, on that bike versus being on another one or with a group of people that are now wanting to just go, 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 go. It's just a ride. For, let's say a week or two straight do you think that would play into your road trip feeling i think it it what i've come to realize i would say is that it, it depends on why you're there you know if we're going to tour new york because our goal is to see the east coast then we're probably gonna have three or four days where we're just gonna balls to the wall go right right upper speed limit as fast as we can go without getting pulled over and then if we see a long stretch where we can see the whole road maybe even faster Right? We're going to go, and we're just going to go as fast as we can to get there because the goal is to get there and then tour. Similar to maybe the the trip a couple years back that, you know, our goal was to get to Utah and then enjoy it. So that first day was, you know, 600-plus miles of just go down the straight highway. And we had a couple, you know, we had a 750 shadow that anytime there was any elevation change struggled. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't flat or downhill, 
would have to drop to a lower speed just because of the capability of it was a five speed 750. Yeah. I get it now. <laughs> right. I have a bike yeah. that is very similar in that fashion, except that it's geared in such a way that it's slow. So it still goes 70 up a hill. It just doesn't ever go above 70. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it's flat or downhill. So I get it. And it would have been the limiting factor on that trip. I would have been the slow guy catching up at every stop. You know, every fuel up, filling up while everybody else was done and taking a break and then mm-hmm. just keep going, right? Sure. Keep chugging. And was that not a day of road trip? No, it still felt like a road trip day where we're just going to get to that destination and going hard just to get there. Okay. Um, but the goal was to get there, right? If the goal on that trip was to enjoy the scenery and take my time, if I didn't if my expectations were yep, not clearly at. expressed to myself, let's clarify this because it was a group ride. Right. So if the group knew we're all getting there, but my expectations of myself was I was going to stop at every single viewpoint and I'm going to stop in every city that has a cool ball of yarn mm-hmm. and I'm going to stop and see the museum of dinosaurs or whatever it is, right? Yeah. I'm going to drive and everything that I want to stop at, I'm going to stop and take a look at. Then it would have been a very disappointing day and quickly it would have become not fun because of the expectation that I had in sure. my brain. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. But as long as you know important. what you're in for, right? I don't I don't think that's any less. Whether it's balls of the wall full speed as fast as you can get somewhere, mm-hmm. or whether it's taking the slow road, always bypassing the freeway and stopping at every single right, every single museum or old car you see on the side of the road to take a picture next to it. Who cares? As long as that's what you expect to do on that trip and that's what you're looking for, I think it's still an enjoyable road trip and I think you still get that feeling of, I'm doing it. I got a break from my norm. I have the freedom to do what I want and I'm outside of my going to nine to five every day. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I think by definition, any trip that you're taking on the road is a road trip, right? Sure. But I think that... Uh, your enjoyment level can be different as a rider. And so I think that you kind of have to go on a few different kinds of road trips to kind of get a feel for what what really gets you excited and wants, makes you want to go out again. For me, just being on a motorcycle is enough for me to want to be on a motorcycle again, right? I don't really care too much of what I'm doing. Uh, but there would be limitations on my KLR 250. It, if we were on the freeway the whole time, uh, a lot of other guys would have a really hard time if on their bikes were limited to my speed, right? Potentially, if we were to spend a lot of time on a freeway. If, if you showed up on a trip unannounced last minute, I would agree. But that's one thing about the group that runs the slacker moto ride is as long as we know you're coming we're good yeah whoever it is right if it's you or you know we've got you know don Don that wanted to go slower and and for example this year was me i was the slow guy through at least the straightaways Mm -hmm. and everyone i just kind of decided after day one 70 is about where she wants to sit so that's where i'm gonna go yeah and from that day most of the days i would just lead and everyone else would, you know, ride ahead if they want to see something, stop, take pictures. And I just would power through knowing that we know where our stops are that everyone wants to go I, to. I understand. Enjoy the I rest. Understand. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you that if, if you're just, you don't, on a slower bike, and it's not just you, I'm pointing at you here, but now it's me as well. On a slower bike, if we're just showing up with a group of sport, you know, leader bikes that are going on a ride, we're going to piss off the crew and get ditched. Because they don't want to go 70. Well, I think that even on a trip, and I'm, I'm not saying that our group would do this, but I think there would be some dialogue around um, the bikes on that trip had we decided, let's say, for me and you to go on our KLR 250 and your Red Randy across the U.S. Eightytude? No, no, Red Randy. Across the U.S. to New York, right? That's a lot of miles. Sure. And so at a certain point, even though you knew going on this trip that there were going to be a couple bikes that were going to take it a little slower, you know, and they were going to get there and maybe not, you know, the same exact time as you if you had been able to go at your own pace. I think that at some point, though, after a couple of days that it would have become potentially a little bit of a frustration for the other riders that want to get to the destination and have now been riding at a 
speed that their bike is well capable of exceeding and doing it very comfortably. Because some of those bikes, you talk about yours being 70 and feeling comfortable. Maybe another Harley would be maybe 85, 90 max for some of those. And then maybe like that FJR 1300 or whatever would be, it would be fine at being at a buck 10. Who knows, right? Not saying that anybody would go that fast when the speed limit is much lower, but. I hear what you're saying. Right? Is there going to be a little bit of an internal dialogue or a frustration? All I'm trying to get at is part of that road trip, though, is, is that if you're on this trip, you want it to be enjoyable and you want to have fun. For me, I want to have fun. If I can't have fun on that trip, no matter what's going on, that road trip now becomes troublesome, becomes work. Doesn't It's not the same kind of enjoyment. So you got to have the right group. And I think that the Slacker Moto Radio or the Slacker Moto Ride is amazing in the sense that the people that are on it are completely understandable and they want to have fun it's part of that community feeling sure. and enjoyment so uh having a good group that you understand and know where your capabilities are is definitely important i guess is what i'm getting at because you get on one of those longer rides where they're okay with it for the first day maybe they wouldn't be depending on the bike you're on that's so you know the capabilities of your bike and the expectations of the group yeah i think that's fair and i think that's the I don't know, maybe the important part there, would you, where are your feelings on the ability to go, let's say, we're talking cross-country, and it's easy to say that because we live on one coast. Yeah. You know, you're going to New York, would you be comfortable doing that trip on a 250? I don't think I have the right tool for the right, I don't have the right tool for that job. So you don't think, if someone's got, not if somebody, but if you personally have a 250, if only... Then I only say that because he has a two fifty. Brad, you've got your two fifty. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I'm sure it could do it as long as I'm not, not pushing it. To take I would it not want to ride at seventy miles an hour even I on agree. that bike nonstop. So now my if I'm going to do a two thousand mile trip, let's you're a say, single dude. I'm no, going to reduce no the speed. I'm going to go fifty five, and I'm going to pick a route. Where I can go at the bike's pace, that it's comfortable, that it's not uh, overworking itself or consuming oil because it's at high RPMs sure. the whole time, right? And then I'm actually going to slow down, especially if I'm by myself, and I'm going to enjoy the scenery. And if sure. I don't even make it all the way to New York, and I'm like, oh, well, I've only got a few more days in essence, and i got to turn back. I don't care. I'm going to turn back, and I'm going to take a little bit different route, and I'm going to enjoy the trip. And that, to me, would be an awesome road trip. So being Agreed. with people that would be at that same level of, yeah, that destination wasn't the important thing. It's us being out here and enjoying the, the area, enjoying with being with one another and that community, I think, is a really important part of being on a road trip. No, I think I, I agree with you. And that's what I'm trying to get at is I think, and I know that, you know, with family obligations and time off at work and... There's a lot of little things in the side that make it so right now in today's world, disappearing for 15 days just to go across the country and back is a crazy thought, mm -hmm. right? I get that. But if that weren't an issue, you're have a job where you've got the entire summer off. You've got, right, not, no family to tie you down. That, Are we in Ireland that would now? be a completely viable, you know, trip for you. Yeah. And that for me, it would as well. Yeah. If my bike tops out at 70, I don't like running it at 70 the whole time. Couldn't go faster, probably. I'm hoping to need a little more tune on that to make it that case. But, you know, is it more enjoyable to now just take the back roads up through Montana, take, you know, up over the hills, everything that's a little more twisty, a little slower with a lot more sights to see off that paved highway? Mm -hmm. I agree. And, you know, time is an issue and, and days off and, and all of these other obligations that, that make that not necessarily a a possible plan, but theoretically, I don't mm -hmm. think it matters. I think you can get that road trip feeling on a bike, on any bike, but it it does matter what you expect to see. And I guess that's kind of what I was hoping we got to. I think I it's that back to your expectations. To. Yeah. I think that it's absolutely back to your expectations. If you have unrealistic expectations for the bike that you're on, no matter what that is, then that euphoria of that road trip can be um, can be reduced. That's fair. 
And I think, you know, and I agree with you, the community that you ride with is important. Yeah. You know, if you're riding with similar styled bikes, there's a reason that Harleys ride with Harleys and Crotch Rockets ride with Crotch, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's a reason oh, these yeah. groups naturally combine. And it's not just because they all sound the same or look the same. It's because when you go do something more than, you know, from your house to the bike show back to wherever, right? The, mm-hmm. the coffee shop to the steakhouse, right? If you're not doing just a simple one day cruise around, if you're going to do a multi day thing or anything larger scale, you want to be in a similar class as the bike that you're riding with. Sure. Uh, does that mean that, you know, two people on two very different bikes that are good friends couldn't do that? No. No. I think that the person and the bike do both come into play there. As long as everyone's expectations are, you know, similar to, you know, I've been in scouting organization for a long time and all yeah. these other things that if you, if you realize that the slowest guy paces your crew. Yes. And everyone's okay with that. Yes. Then there's never a problem. For sure. Right. If that's a surprise to either the slow guy or the fast guys, then it's annoying to either one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a problem for everyone. Because the fast guy's annoyed he has to slow down and the slow guy feels like everyone's waiting for him and feels bad the whole time. Yeah. Right? Either way, it's it's not a good situation. But if we if everyone in their groups realizes that, you know, your slowest rider mm-hmm. is your pacing rider, and that's not all the time, yeah. right? If your slowest rider is the slowest rider because of experience and you're about to go through the hills and it's a one-way road, not a one-way road, but there's only one place to go and you're going to mm-hmm. go up and meet down at the intersection on the other side of the mountain range – then go hit it, have your fun, and wait at the stop sign at the bottom, yeah. right? Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to sit behind him and not pass him and not have your fun because well, yeah. he's timid on the corners or he or she, and that's okay. You know, you can still enjoy the ride and still have those experiences, but the trip as a whole has to be paced by whoever is your slowest rider. Right. Right. You, you can have whatever enjoyment. I think that's the difference that I guess I'm trying to get out that maybe it doesn't matter is – you know, in those moments, if you understand that, that it doesn't mean just because you have to wait for your slower rider friend that you can't go have that fun. Because okay. a well-planned trip, you still can. And you still get those corners and you still get those experiences. And you can still just disappear and meet at the next intersection or gas station or wherever it's been agreed upon to meet. Sure. And you've really not m- missed much, especially if you're planning two to 300-mile days. All time in the world for everybody to have their own fun and still have a singular trip together. Okay, and so I can agree that you can have a road trip and have that feeling of being a road trip on any bike, regardless of situation. What heightens that experience, though, for you? Being on your own and depending on the communities that you go to for that interaction or being in a group? I think for me and I most, I guess I can't say most, many of the riders that I've had these conversations with, I think a small group is the way to go. Small group being two to five, maybe five's even high. Three and a half. But a small group of tight knit riders is a very enjoyable experience because you have that backup. You've got that safety net. If something goes wrong, you don't have that stress of, of what's going to happen there. It's also a small enough group that you can really get in and out of anywhere, right? right. If, you need, if you go to a restaurant that's packed, table for four anywhere you can fit into, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can make all of that work. Um, solo riding, I think when you're going slow and taking, taking it easy, I stress out if I'm pushing myself on a solo ride. Because mm-hmm. should something go down and I go down in a corner, I have to rely on someone who doesn't know I was there to find me. Right. To right. see something relatively small off the road. Yep. To notice that, hey, there's a bike against that guardrail or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Worst case scenario. Um, whereas if, you know, if I'm out with buddies, I can push a little harder. It's still the street, so you want to be safe. But if something slips out in the leaves, I got someone to help me pick the bike up. I've got somebody to, you know, let me take a rest where my bike's now not in the middle of the road, right? To maybe give me that 10 minute breather while I collect myself if something goes down, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it depends again with your expectations, right? For the trip I'm going on, I I believe that it will just be me and I'm totally fine with that, but it will be a sightseeing, take it slow and just enjoy the environment. Right. I have no plans to race anyone, beat anybody, car, bike, or indifferent. 
I have plans to just go see the Olympic Peninsula, camp for an evening, Mm -hmm. really just enjoy some time on the open road and have that open road freedom euphoria. Yeah. Right? Just basically the pure road trip feeling without the extras of tearing it up through a corner and doing crazy stuff and the extra little adrenaline rushes that you're going to get. But I also, you know, it is really fun to be in a large group. And it has its own excitement, and especially at the end of the day when everyone's together, the bigger the group, the more conversation and the buzz and the excitement of that day picks up. Yeah. But it is more difficult to track that day because there are so many bodies to worry about getting through intersections and sure, you know, making sure everybody knows where they're going and, and keeping an eye on that many people. You really have to be a good group that understands the group more or less policies, right? Maybe not policies, but the group feeling and what's important and where to stop and how to keep an eye out for the guy behind you, not take a turn unless you saw the guy behind you, made sure he knows you're turning, you know, these things like that. It's really important to, you know, to follow that etiquette of a group ride when you've got a lot of people, but it it can deter if you're not doing that well. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand the principle of at the end of the day, the slowest guy paces you. Yeah, I respect uh, good co- communication and planning on a group. And I know you've been a major contributor, if not the major contributor for the planning for the SMR rides. So uh, I think that that's really crucial when you're out with a uh, group of guys is uh, being able to understand one another and, to your point, expectations to beat that uh, into the ground and, but I think that there's something to be said. I think that being able to go out and just disconnect from everything else at times might be nice. As a solo rider, there's new risks. It's different. And knowing what the, what that means and being prepared is, um, is what it's going to come down to in order to have a fun, fun road trip. But I, I can see where you're coming from that any, any, any trip on the road on a motorcycle can be an awesome road trip. I think it just depends on what you're trying to get out of it. I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I encourage, I know we both do, and everyone that rides consistently always encourages those around them to get out and ride. Right. You know, make sure that you get those moments to, to enjoy your motorcycle. Sure. Right. You've got that. You're paying for it. You're generally paying insurance for it. It's important to find times well, hopefully. to. Yeah, I guess hopefully. Um, you know, it's important to find times to go and, and have that, that moment of, of freedom on the open yeah. road because it is fairly therapeutic. I mean, we talk about within work and, and business and really just worldwide ways to mitigate your stress mm-hmm. and ways to handle the stressful situations we're all in every day. And really writing is a good form of stress, you know, stress relief is a good form of, of helping deal with that stress you've got from day to day and decompress and vent some of that out to the environment around you. Yeah. Something about a motorcycle and that open air feeling that really does decompress a couple well, hours. I think a lot on of that is you start getting on a bike and you, you have to focus there. Yeah. There it's critical for you to know where you are, what the bike is doing, what's ahead of you and what those feelings are that are coming up through the wheels up into your body. And so there's no room for, thoughts about that drawing that needs to get finished or that test that needs to get completed or whether or not the quality of that part is up to snuff right you've got to be focused on that on that moment and i and it's so easy to do i think on a bike whereas on a in a car driving down the road you kind of pull out some of those variables that you're trying to monitor you still have to pay attention to what's going on but i feel like there's a lot more thoughts that can be taking place in my head that's a lot fair. more voices. I agree. A lot more voices. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree with you on that. <laughs> Aside oh. from all this, we appreciate everybody putting up with our two-part episode here. I guess we'll call it one episode and split into two. But we also really appreciate we broke a 1,000 downloads. Woo! And for us, that's huge, just like the volume levels on that woo. <laughs> um, for us, that's notice. super huge. We know there's a lot of podcasts yes, that don't make you. it through the number of you know we're at uh, 27 episodes now Uh, i think that's an exaggeration we are not quite at 27 because there's a few that didn't make it that we did before uh we should be at 23 episodes now 
um, which gives us some in the backlog for weeks that we maybe don't get a chance. We can pull out one of those never heard before episodes. But uh, nonetheless, a thousand plus downloads is also something a lot of podcasts don't get to. Yeah. So we really appreciate all the support. We are stoked to get to the next level. So, you know, please continue to share. Mm-hmm. If you haven't already, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Leave that review. It really goes a long way for us. Yeah, um, and if you're ever willing, if you want to be generous that way, you can always visit our uh, Patreon account. It's just Slacker Moto Radio. Same thing you're listening to here. Uh, and help us out by supporting with just a dollar a month. Uh, that's going to help us so that next year we can continue to pay the overhead costs on this. We've kind yeah. of prepaid the year, but we're starting to get to the point where that bill is going to be due. Uh, and any support we can get is super helpful. Uh, but we love all of you. We appreciate the support. We're super excited to be doing this. And, and for the really the, the listenership we've gotten thus far, any of the comments, uh, I guess going back a little bit as well, if you have a good name, for the uh, 82 GL500, you can see pictures of it, Facebook, Instagram, or, or Patreon there. Red Randy. Um, that isn't Red Randy specifically, please email that <laughs> or leave a message on Facebook or Patreon or wherever. Uh, we're checking all those, so uh, no biggie, whichever one you leave it. But please uh, come up with some names other than Red Randy. I think saying it less would help people think of it less. So uh, 82 is right now the best runner in my opinion, but we'll still be pulling from a hat, so okay. we'll see. From a hat, we're not going to vote on it? Uh, we can do a vote. This thing is really becoming a long-term game. <laughs> uh, only because... It's going to last a year before You don't we want Red Randy. Otherwise, that would already be the winner. No. Do you want me yeah, to come up true. with nine other names? That's what we might have to do is put in our own ideas here and just make them funny and dumb. And then, then have people vote. Could we do that at least? We could. If we want to do a vote, we can do a vote, Brad. I'll okay. set up a vote. Okay. Uh, it'll be probably a Facebook poll because we have more listenership there than anywhere else. Uh, okay. Let me clarify. More feedback there than anywhere else. Ooh. Um, like, listenership is all over the place between Stitcher and, yeah. Just turn down the gain, we'll get less feedback. That, that's true. Yeah. But I uh, appreciate everybody listening. Thank you again. Uh, look forward to hearing from anyone. Let us know uh, what you think. And uh, get out to make sure that you're uh, you're riding enjoying the season and putting some miles on those uh, on those tires. Until next time, ride on! Mm-hmm.